welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello friends, I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com. And we're talking today about a topic that I can pretty confidently say affects pretty much all of us. Uh, The episode today is called Dealing with Our Grumbling and Complaining. So my hope today is that the Lord would fill us with joy no matter our circumstances and we would rejoice always and give thanks in all things. And as believers, we can do this. And how do I know this? Because it says right in Philippians 2.13, because it is God who is at work in you. So let's dig in today, and I pray that as we start our time together, you'll pray for the Lord to give you a thankful heart. So why does it seem that grumbling and complaining is so tolerated within our Christianity? Sometimes I think we tolerate it because we don't always think of it as sin, since it's so commonly practiced among us. We grumble about the weather, our government, our churches, our circumstances, and so many other things that truly are trivial in light of eternity. And then is one sin any worse than another? Because when I look at the holiness of God, it's so hard to say that one sin is worse than another. And in reading the Old Testament, I'm so reminded how the sin of grumbling and complaining brought great judgment against the Israelites. It's hard to talk about grumbling and complaining without bringing the Israelites in their time of wandering in the desert as an example. And we're no different today. We live in a time of much abundance, and most of us are not going without water or food. We have homes to live in and clothes on our back and food in abundance, beautiful families to care for and love, and most importantly, if we are known by Christ, for those of us who have repented of our sins and put our faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation, we have all our sins forgiven and our eternity is secure, so why do we still grumble? Our human natures tend to dwell on the negative more than the positive, And complaining is a spiritual problem, and one I hope today to tackle and help guide us in the truth of the word to spiritually defeat it. Sometimes we can find comfort in our complaining. It can be easy to sit with a friend or spouse and air your grievances. And sometimes this can be a good thing, especially if you're seeking out to get wise counsel or to be pointed back to Christ or to be encouraged by one another. But most times we can find ourselves continually airing our grievances to anyone who will listen. And deep down, we don't want counsel or encouragement. We just want to complain. Ronnie Martin shares from his helpful little book that I highly recommend. It's called Stop Your Complaining. Pretty basic title there. Kind of know what it's about. He says, there is some addictive level of satisfaction that comes from engaging in copious amounts of complaining that keeps us coming back for further feeding at its trough. End quote. Our complaining about various situations in our lives can be a way to build up our own pride or to self-justify ourselves, but we need to look deeper and realize that there's a heart issue that these complaining spirits of ours is revealing. As soon as our hearts become forgetful to the goodness and sovereignty of God in every situation of our lives, they will become ungrateful. Ronnie Martin shares just another quote here. He says, Complaining is an internal deception that gives way to a verbal reality. It's believing that we are entitled to something better than what we've been giving. It's saying on one hand that we believe God is not really in control, but then being dissatisfied with his choices 
when we believe he is. It lacks logic and it's addicting, end quote. So how do we break this sinful pattern in our lives? If we love complaining and we find ourselves feeding off it or sharing with others about situations that didn't turn out how we would like or we didn't get what we felt we deserved, listen to these words from John Piper. He says, preferring anything above Christ is the very essence of sin. It must be fought. So let's see. So when we're complaining, are we really preferring something above Christ James 1.15 says, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Warren Wearsby states about James 1.15, he says, We have moved from the emotions, the desire, and the intellect, the deception, to the will. Christian living is a matter of the will, not the feelings. He says, I often hear believers say, I don't feel like reading the Bible, or I don't feel like attending prayer meeting. Children operate on the basis of feeling, but adults operate on the basis of will. They act because it is right, no matter how they feel. This explains why immature Christians easily fall fall into temptation. They let their feelings make the decisions. The more you exercise your will in saying a decisive no to temptation, the more God will take control of your life." And Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So here we go. So desires are a good thing, and they were given to us by God. But the problem comes about when we want to satisfy these desires outside of God's will. Grumbling and complaining is outside of God's will. And when we're pursuing that, I'm coming back up to the John Piper quote, then we're preferring our grumbling and complaining above Christ. So um, our speech as believers, it should be pleasing to God. Let me just start us off with two verses here, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then Ephesians 5, 15 to 21 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ronnie Martin says, Complaining will seem increasingly ugly when you let the beauty of God's word transform your words. So as we get started here, I want to tear a little bit into the word together with you guys. So if it's possible, if you're in a spot where you can kind of sit with me for the next 15 minutes with your Bible and open it to Philippians 2, 12 through, um, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16 with me. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain." And again, that was Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. And even though in our time together today, I'm going to focus mostly on verse 14 above, do all things without grumbling or disputing, I want to give you, I wanted to give you an overview of the context here. So 
The Philippian church was so good to Paul, but this was still an area that they needed to mature in, and it's still an area I need to mature in. Paul is telling them in verse 12 above to, quote, work out their salvation. We know salvation is a free gift, and we cannot work to earn our salvation. But we also know that faith without works is dead, James 2.14. We know God is working in us as we see evidence of fruit, Galatians 5.22-23. And there's a spirit of love and unity and care for others. And one of the ways that we can love and care for others and bring a spirit of unity in the church is not by grumbling and complaining. This is an example of what it looks like to work out our salvation. So again, Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. And I'm going to take a peek first at grumbling here. So our obedience should be in attitude as well as in action. How often do we obediently do a task, but all the while we are grumbling inward? Grumbling comes from the Greek word, and I'm going to totally botch this, but I'm going to try it. Um, gagusmas, gagusmas. It's spelled G-O-N-G-Y-S-M-O-S. And as always, I'm just using blueletterbible.org here, ladies. Great resource. So it's defined as murmur, murmuring, or muttering. It can reflect a secret debate or secret to pleasure, not openly avowed. And the use of it in John 7, 12, let me read this verse to you. It says, among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said he is a good man. So that's where we see a secret debate or secret displeasure. It's the same term used in that verse in John 7, 12. It's used of those who secretly discontentedly complain, those who murmur against others or unfavorable circumstances. It was the term used of the Israelites and the Septuagint when their stubborn spirits spoke against God in Exodus 16, 7 through 9. I want us to grasp the seriousness of the sin and not just brush it aside. So let's read together 1 Corinthians 10, 7 through 10, which is referring to Israel in the Old Testament. It says, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and they were killed by the destroying angel. Again, that was 1 Corinthians 10, 7 through 10. So how can we look at this and we're so easy to pass judgment on them for being sexually immoral and idolaters, but look at how grumbling is put in the same category as those gross sins. Israel complained after seeing God see perform miracle after miracle. Three days after watching God part the Red Sea and annihilate the Egyptians, they complained of having no water in Exodus 15, 22 to 24. They complained against their leadership in Exodus 16, 2 and Exodus 17, 3. Their grumbling was not taken lightly by the Lord. Number 1649 says, But 14,700 people died from the plague in addition to those who had died because of Korah. So, if our God, who never changes, took the sin of grumbling so serious back then, why would he not in the lives of his children today? Philippians 2.14 specifically states, Do all things without grumbling or complaining. So what do we do with our issues we tend to complain about? There are true situations in our lives that are challenging, people that are challenging, and circumstances that are challenging. But God's word reminds us that he is working all things for our good. Romans 8.28, we're told to give thanks in and through all situations, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. We need to learn to deal with them in a biblical manner. Whenever we grumble about anything, 
We're complaining against God who is sovereignly working all things for good in our lives. Moses reminded the people that when they grumbled against him, they were really grumbling against God in Exodus 16.8. So one of the ways that I'm working out my salvation in this area is to ask the Lord to help me catch myself grumbling and bring to mind Philippians 2.14. In that, I'm reminded to give thanks in and through all things and reminded again that God is working all things out for good in my life, even the difficult circumstances. I need to be reminded to give thanks, and I have the power of the Holy Spirit within me that enables my heart to do so. God did not leave me on my my own here when he saved me and redeemed me. One way God is working in me from our verse Philippians 2.13 is by bringing about these circumstances to change me more into the likeness of Christ. So I have two choices. I can buck against God's work in my life and let my flesh guide my actions and attitudes, or I can allow the Spirit to work in my life and lead me to obedience in my heart, mind, and actions with a thankful heart. So in studying Philippians, the word joy is mentioned 16 times. It's the theme of the book of Philippians. My life is filled with joy when I'm reminded that I am loved and known by a good and faithful and sovereign God who is in control of everything and working out everything for his good pleasure. When I grumble, I forget and deny the sovereignty of God at work in my life. So let's continue on in Philippians 2.14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. We're going to tear apart disputing. And disputing is the Greek word dialgismos, and it means to reason or think through. It pictures a man deliberating with himself. In the verse here, it's in a very negative light, as in the way of arguing. It refers to an arrogant attitude of those who think they are always right. When we argue against others, and especially those within the body of Christ, It's very troublesome, and it causes disunity. That's why we need to remember why Paul spent the first part of of chapter 2 in Philippians focusing on humility. So commenting on Philippians 2.14, John MacArthur says that Diogosmos soon developed the more specific ideas of questioning, doubting, or disputing the truth of a matter. In Romans 14.1, the word is used of passing judgment on another believer's opinions, and in 1 Timothy 2.8, it is rendered dissension. Whereas grumbling is essentially emotional, disputing is essentially intellectual. I like that. Listen, whereas grumbling is essentially emotional, disputing is essentially intellectual. A person who continues to murmur and grumble against God will eventually argue and dispute with him, end quote. Okay, that's a bad place to be, right? When we're in this place, we're going to see ourselves as always right, finding fault with everyone but us. We're going to form divisions in the church and our other relationships by drawing others to our side because we're always right. And I want to caution you that a grumbling church will be a divided church. Be aware of those that are continual grumblers and complainers about others in every situation. Stay away. Don't let them sway you into their discontentment. And if they're believers, we must call them out on this sin in our lives very lovingly and graciously. And we must deal with our own complaining spirits and help others to see it in themselves too. It's such a destructively negative attitude that has the ability to cause much damage to the unity of the church. It's damaging our our marriages and our relationships with others and most importantly affects our relationship with the Lord. We must call it what it is. It's sin and deal with it. So what are some benefits of thankful hearts? All right. So when we're not grumbling and arguing, 
we are bearing a positive light on the God we serve to a lost world. The next verses, as we continue on in our Philippians verses, give us a better understanding. So we're going to look now at Philippians 2, 15 to 16, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So the reality is, we're not going to be perfect in this life and we're going to fail at this. But I'm so thankful every day for God's grace in my life because we do fall short. But I am known by the one who doesn't, Jesus. But that doesn't just give me or us, right, an excuse to not work hard at putting off the sin in our lives. The unsaved world around us makes it a habit to complain and gripe about life. They're watching us as Christians and they're quick to see these same negative attitudes in others who are claiming to be different. So how are we shining as lights in the world if we're not different? Jesus said to do everything without grumbling so we will be blameless and pure. Grumbling Christians will not stand out to this lost world. When we complain, we're saying to the lost world around us that God doesn't control everything. Side note here, just so you know, I'm not talking about a Pollyanna attitude to all things, but pointing back to our God who is in control of all things and that we trust him always as he works in our life, even the difficult circumstances. So why would anyone want to follow a God who's not in control of all things? When we respond with an attitude of thankfulness and joy in trying circumstances, the unbelieving world around us will notice. My friends, when our hearts are focused on God's purposes and work in our lives, We'll learn to wait on him and trust in him. Then our lives will be ones filled with thanksgiving and praise to him. The hope is that our lives would shine as lights in the world. I came across an article on Randy Elkhorn's website, and it's called A 12-Point Cure for Complaining. And I want to share it with you. I'm going to go through each of the 12 points, and as I share the main point, he lists a Bible verse or two after, after it. You just listen. You don't have to write this down because I'll put the link to the article in the show notes. But the article starts off by saying, complaining is unbecoming of the true Christian, and yet we are proficient at it. The cure is found in these verses. In Christ, we are never hopeless or forsaken. Every trial has meaning. Meditate on this cure in order to change both your language and your heart. So number one, God commands me never to complain. And Philippians 2.14 tells us, do all things without complaining and disputing. Number two, God commands me to give thanks in every circumstance. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Number three, God commands me to rejoice always and especially in times of trial. Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. And James 1.2 reminds us, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Number four, I always deserve much worse than what I am suffering. No, in fact, I deserve hell. Lamentations 3.39 says, Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? And Luke 13, 2 through, t, two, through, 2 through 3 tells us, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Number five, 
in light of the eternal happiness and glory that I will experience in heaven, this present trial is extremely brief and insignificant, even if it were to last a lifetime. Romans 8.18 reminds us, The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And 2 Corinthians 4.19 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and an eternal weight of glory. And that just reminds me of last week's podcast on Waiting on God, those verses. So that was number five. Number six, my suffering is far less than that which Christ suffered, and he did not complain. First Peter 2.23 reminds us, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Number seven, to complain is to say God is not just. Ouch. Genesis 18.25 tells us, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Number eight, faith and prayer exclude complaining. Psalm 34.4 tells us, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered from all my fears. Number nine, this difficulty is being used by God for my good, and it is foolish for me to complain against it. Romans 8.28 is our all-time reminder, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Number 10, those more faithful than I have suffered far worse than I and did so without complaint. As I get ready to share this verse below from Hebrews, it just reminds me, I just saw the movie Tortured for Christ, um, the story of Richard Wormbrand put out by Voice of the Martyrs with a dear friend a couple of weeks ago, and it stood out to me. This verse in particular, as I watched the movie, it's one I really highly recommend to you guys. If you can see it at the theater, or I guess catch it maybe at this point when it comes out to um, DVD to watch. But Hebrews 11, 35 through 39 reminds us, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, in order that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground, all these having gained approval through their faith. Number 11, complaining denies that God's grace is entirely sufficient. You know where I'm going to go with this one, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in, your weak, in weakness. And number 12, the greatest suffering, the worst trial or difficulty can never rob me of that which is of greatest value to me and my greatest joy, namely the love of Christ. Romans 8, some beautiful verses to close these 12 points with. So I'm going to go through Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Again, I will link those 12 points in the show notes so you can maybe even that's one to print out and keep in your Bible or your prayer journal to refer back to. So for me, I always like to bring it back to the practical. And for me, what am I going to do about the sin of grumbling and disputing in my life? Well, one aspect is really continuing to give thanks to the Lord daily in my journaling and my prayer time and truly being mindful of Him and His goodness throughout the day. And one of the best and most helpful books I've read on gratitude is, is Choosing Gratitude, Your Journey to Joy by Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth. I need to take my complaints to God and not others. In reading the Psalms, I'm thankful for the example we have of David taking his concerns to God. I think of Psalm 142 too, and I can express to God how I feel, but just like David, I can be comforted and reminded that one day these troubles will no longer afflict me, 2 Peter 1.4, and I can complain to God, not about God, in a way that honors him and know that I serve a God who understands everything I am thinking and feeling. I should desire my complaining to God to be about my own sinfulness and ask him to put a new heart within me, one that rejoices instead of complains. I need to be consistent in memorizing scripture that pertains to these areas of sinful weakness in my life and bring them to mind and pray them when I'm struggling with this sin. So I think of Philippians chapter 2, Romans 8, 28, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, and the verses in Colossians 3, 1 through 17 are some great places to head towards. I want to ask those that are close to me to call out this sin in my life. Um, My husband and I have been talking much about this, and hence why you're getting this podcast today. So there's a great little book that I really need to reread. It's called Everyday Talk, and it's so good for parents. It helps us to be reminded how our day-to-day speech expresses to our children our thoughts about God. It's a convicting read, but it's a good reminder of Simple things like when we complain about the weather, how we're complaining about the sovereignty of God at work in all things. So these are some ways how I desire to work out my salvation with fear and trembling in in this particular area of my life. My desire is that I would honor him in all things, and it starts with the attitude of our hearts, and it's an area I'm continuing to seek his face on to remove the dross and mold me more and more into the image of his son, Jesus. My prayer today is that the Lord would fill us with thanksgiving in all things, even the difficulties. I know for me, it's really easy to be thankful in the easy times, but let's pray for God to continue to break down our bitterness, our unforgiveness, our critical spirits, our impatience, our selfishness, our rebellion, our worldliness, because these are all things that will hinder gratitude in our lives and will cause us to be complainers. May we start each morning off praising him for his goodness in redeeming us as his children and granting us eternal life through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. If we're in Christ, we have no reason to complain about anything. I am praying for infectious, thankful hearts for us all today. I am so thankful for Jesus. Jesus truly is enough. So what about you, my friends? How do you deal with the sin of grumbling and disputing in your life? And how have you seen God's grace evident in your life? Do you express your gratefulness to God daily? So ladies, thank you so much for spending part of your day with me here today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends. And when you get a moment, I'd be so grateful, as always, if you could leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps other Christian women to find us. Have a blessed week, my friends. Mm -hmm.